Welcome, everybody, to Who's Your Band. I am Jeffrey Paul. I am joined by Sean Morton. How are you, Sean? I'm fantastic, Jeffrey. I'm in the Christmas spirit today. Yeah, where, where are you coming from? I went to the State Theater in New Brunswick uh, to see the Martina McBride Christmas show. And can you tell us about it? Uh, she's 56 years old. She's still hot as fuck. And her voice is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I've seen her like three times. How you don't have your own review show of concerts, I don't know. I mean, that is that is a hell of a review. Well, listen, I mean, fifty six, and she's hot as fuck. Yeah, I would. I would still rip her clothes off around that stage. (laughs) What did she do? What 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 songs does she? Classics like like you know uh, you know White Christmas, Jingle Bells, you know Santa Claus coming to town, all that stuff. Couple and like three or four of her like you know personal hits. Sounds good. You know what? I'm going to see something like that in two weeks. We're going to see Darling Love, which I think is kind of like a Christmas staple. That's cool. I want to make fun of you, but I can't make fun of that. You can't make fun of that. You can't make fun of Darling Love. That's the problem. Now, before we bring in our guest, I just want to do a quick little rant here. Um, Show I did last night. I just got to get this off my chest. Um, Full House at uh, Portobello in Oakland, New Jersey. I've done it, the room. It's a great room. It's a great room. Uh, Davin Rosenblatt used to book it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done it several times, but this was for a fundraiser. So what do you do when you have your comic on the stage? That's the perfect fucking time to start bringing out all the baskets. You know, the, the, you know from the tricky tray that you put in like the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Now you have like about eight hot women bringing baskets to their friends and people are getting the baskets and people are talking and you think they're paying attention to the comedy? No. Okay. So I'm up there for a half hour and 15 fucking minutes of it. You know, it's like, why not do this at the end or do it before the show starts? But who said you have to do it right in the middle of? Me. Half an hour though. You do your set six times. No, nothing went wrong with anyone's audio. It was just letting fucking dumb Sean's joke lay there like it should. Okay. All right, folks. Uh. <laughs> that, that's enough preamble with Sean Morton. Okay. Because uh, you know what? I I really want to talk to this guy, man. I, I met him. He's a, <laughs> he's so, you know, man, I just hit it off with him. He was just such a cool guy and, can, you know, was a musician and, a, and an author. And we're going to talk about this book here. Okay, it's the New Jersey Metal Years, and our guest today is Al. Now, just tell me if I'm saying the last name right. Uh, Tachino, Techio, Techio. Okay, dope. Al Techio. Story of my life. I know what it was. Don't worry. Al matters. Usually, I do a lot of research on our guests, and and you know, I did a little bit on you, but what I really want to do is get into this book. Okay, but before we do, let's just talk about you because you put a lot of yourself into this. For sure. Okay, so your background is we don't have to go. You know, you you in high school did you you started a band, correct? Well, I started thinking about singing in high school, and I don't think I landed into a real band until a little outside of high school, maybe a year or so out. Now, were you were you a musician? Were you always a musician? Is because I know you sing as well never been a musician still i'm not a musician i'm just a singer uh i've got some ear training so i understand like notes and you know intervals and that kind of thing but i can't play an instrument to save my life so i just uh, my thing is like words melodies harmonies that kind of stuff and so how do you get, talk about you, the first band you went did you have to audition with a bunch of friends who just love music what was that like so uh, sorry for this light going out. It's motion censored. No uh, it was just friends in high school. You know, we always just sing around singing, you know, listening to Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and stuff like that. And um, my one friend, Sam, had a band and they needed a singer and he asked me to sing. So it wasn't like an audition per se. In a way, maybe it was, but it was just like you said, friends getting together and jamming, you know. How did he know that you can sing? Because we all used to sing together and I guess he could hear that. He could sing okay. I don't know. I really wasn't that good back then, to be honest with you. But I guess they saw something in me and they encouraged me, especially Sam. And um, that's all in the book, too. The whole story of how he got me kind of like motivated and uh, uh, confident enough to do it. I mean, but you really, really know 
this New Jersey, New York, that whole club scene from like the late 70s, 80s, which if people don't remember that or didn't live it, man, what a time they missed out on. Tell people a little bit about that time. So I'm a little young for that time. This idea for this book, Jersey Metal, which is, by the way, the first of three books. So this is just 1969 to 86. It was his idea. And he knew. Wait, I who, who's his? Yeah. Frank White, my co-author. Right. So it was totally Frank's idea to do this book. Uh, he provides probably 80, 85 percent of all the photos in the book because he was a photographer for many years, shooting every single band you can think of. And he's a little bit older than me, but not that much. But he was old enough to like. Until like. Uh, when he was very, very young, like even 12 years old. So for me, I didn't come into the scene later. So I don't start writing into this book until like page 143 or 144 or something like that. And the book's 350 pages. So a lot of it was Frank's kind of architecture. We wanted to base it on the months and the years and do it on a timeline kind of thing. And that's, it's autobiographical on his part, my part. But to answer your question, I really wasn't around for those years. I only knew rumors. And then we asked a lot of the bands that played back in that day for their own stories. I mean, it, and it, that's what makes up a lot of this book. What's what's great about this book, I know Frank is also a phot- photographer, right? Big time, yes. Right. And he takes a lot of the pictures in this book. Uh, in fact, the, the first picture he, he had published, Greg Lake at the uh, Capitol Theater. <laughs> yeah. um, it, but it's crazy. It's like, it's 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 beyond just music. It's I mean, it just really takes you back to like a time of record stores and uh, Ticketron and Ticketmaster and ticket stores. I mean, really, and 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 the whole club scene. Uh, I mean, it it really is like like here, Sean. Do you remember a place called Union Jacks Records and Tapes? No, again, because I'm a little bit younger than you, Jeffrey. But there's certain things that I uh, I, ha- I have uh, great memories of, but I don't know where that place is. Where is it? Where is it supposed to be? What? Tell him, uh, Al. Well, the Union Jack was a club. It wasn't a record store. I don't uh-huh. know. There might be a different ad, but the Union Jack was a big club that like Hades played at, and every single band in the late, you know, seventies, early eighties, for sure, mid eighties played. I think it's uh, South Amboy or somewhere. I mean, I, I never played it. I was, again, a little bit outside of my entry into the scene, you know? When, when did you come into the scene? What year? I would say I started thinking about singing in 82, and I ended up putting out my first record in, like, 87. Okay, but that that is, like, really a big part of the scene. Because I'm looking here, okay? And you have, like, you remember the Fountain Casino, correct? Sure, sure. Sean, do you remember? Were you around for I that? I heard of it. I've heard of that, but I never went there. And what I never went there what, either, but I knew about the ads. I never yeah. went there either myself. See, see, I used to go to that, and I, you just look at that. I remember these ads in the aquarium, and yeah. I, you know, and all like those little trade papers. And he, here it says, uh, Found Casino, uh, concert series, yeah, TT Quick, Dreamer, every Wednesday, Backstreets uh, on Thursday, yeah. okay, Monroe. Like, did you remember these bands? Yeah, Billy Monroe, of course, uh, Billy Monroe, for sure, absolutely. What do you remember about Dreamer? Because Dream, I, I live in Staten Island, so Dreamer had a very big Staten Island connection. Do you remember what it was? Vito Brada. Vito Brada, who went on to become great guitarist for um, White Lion, right? Yeah, yeah. Alan, he's going to start talking about bands you've never heard of before. No, he, no, he always... dude, that's that's the whole. Hey, thing. Did you ever hear a fucking paper no. mache tiger? No, I never did. <laughs> no, no, Alan, Alan knows these bands because remember we were talking about White Lion. No, yeah. White Tiger. White, White Tiger. White Remember Tiger. White Tiger? Oh, yeah. And Black Panther and fucking no, Yellow Submarine. Black Panther. No, there was <laughs> there was this band. Al, back me up with this, right? Yeah. There was a band called White Tiger. And do you remember? I think they would open up with, like, the single wouldn't come out. Because you know, okay? the, the whole suspense is like, when is Neil He's coming totally right. out? Okay? And I think it would open up with, like, Sin City, City something, right? <laughs> okay and, and it's like you know like and you're like oh these guys are pretty good and these guys look pretty cool and then after that then neil comes out and he would you know yeah you know, spandex and long hair he looked like Cher. okay and he would he'd come out and everyone would go oh, fucking neil and neil would squint because yeah. he didn't want to wear glasses all right and <laughs> 
he he was he was a okay he was a good singer. I mean, guy looked like a rock star for the eighties. When you look oh, at yeah. it now, I mean, he, it, it's ridiculous. But mem- do you remember that scene? So no, I was a little too young. But Danny Muro, guitar player, graphic artist who did all of the nonfiction album layouts and CD layouts for us when I was in nonfiction. So I became friends with Danny Muro, and I sat down with him for lunch to get a a quote basically a story out of him which ironically has to do with the fountain casino in this book and we had lunch down in i think keyport new jersey and he gave me this killer story that i don't want to ruin because it's in the book but it's about white tiger at the fountain casino i mean those guys they played five six nights a week multiple sets a night their roadies didn't even have day jobs you know what i mean they all made so much money when the drinking age was 18 they all just slept all day and pardon worked all night and they were discovered in new orleans if you didn't know that white tiger they were not a jersey band but they became a north jersey a, a north east band these really successful bands bands like you know of that era like white tiger um twisted sisters zebra you know how much do you think those bands made being cover bands just being covered they did bands. really well they did really well i mean that fountain casino story that i don't want to spoil there was almost five thousand people at that show on a monday oh, right. night a Monday night. I, I remember going there on like a weekend and there, there had to be at least two, 3,000 people like to see I'm any sure. band. It didn't make a difference who the band was. They were all great. Yeah, it was a different era, man. I don't think it'll ever be reproduced, you know? Exactly. Um, then you you were in Hades. Yep. Okay. And you guys did, um, I mean, you could sing as high as you, you, know, you did priest and maiden you know and you even did some saxon yeah (laughs) but that's that's the early hades days before i was in the band i didn't really do saxon covers with hades but they definitely did that before me when paul smith was the singer oh okay so like you how did you get into haiti sean Sean was a fan it's a it the whole story is in the book because i almost got into hades twice before i actually got into hades (laughs) Uh, but I got into it because two of the guys I was in a band called Prophecy with ended up in Hades and they kind of paved the way for me to get into the band, essentially. Now, yeah, do you I remember? On, I caught on to Hades later on because, like, I, I kind of went into that whole North Jersey uh, rock scene, like, probably 97. Okay. 97 to like 2003 was when I had my band in that area. Okay. So it's like the the whole Van Houten Avenue Clifton scene, you know, when you go, you play, yeah, yeah. Uh, you play connections and then you work your way up to dingbats and then all that bullshit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun times. But I also knew your old drummer, too. I knew your old drummer, Dave. Dave Lisinski. Dave Lisinski. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Old drummer and old roommate. And oh, really? Friend, still a good friend to this day. He just had some uh, medical stuff going on and he seems to be on the right track. So. Positive vibes for Dave, you know. Absolutely, Jeff. If you ever saw Dave, Dave was the most uh, oppo- uh, opposing looking dude. Shaved head, shaved head and goatee before it was popular, right? <laughs> and just like fucking jacked out to here, just a monster. And then, like, he used to work at this bar called Aldo's in Lyndhurst that we used to go to every single weekend, right? Because it was like Sundays was called Depression Night. Yeah, so they would, they would play like 50 cent beers. You'd spend eight bucks and go home fucking retarded drunk. It was horrible. So he would be this this big imposing guy working the door, and he'd be like, Yeah, come give me five hours, give me five, you know, and, and, and be an old fucking me. And like me and my friends would walk up, hey, what's up, dude? How you doing, man? Like, just yeah. but an amazing singer on top of that, too. Oh, yes, great voice. He was a singer drummer. I think he was a classically trained opera singer. Is that right? I don't know that that's true, but an hour with him and I had him do a lot of vocals that I wrote for him in that that were like death metal vocals, but he also could really sing, sing, you know, he's just a very talented guy for sure. He is a talented guy. Do you remember a place called Willie's? Willie's. It rings a bell. What town? I'm I'm not sure. I I'm not. Sean, could Willie's have been I have the no Hunker idea Bunker what Ballroom is. before it was Hunker Bunker Ballroom? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's in the book, actually. On Journey Mill Road. So that's, yeah, Star- that's Starland Ballroom now. 
Yeah, that's the original, original. That's way back. Because, well, because like in in 83, and they have pictures in the book, Metallica would play there. Are they? Yeah, they did it with Twisted Sister. Is that right? Yeah, and Metallica was the opening act. That's right. (laughs) You know, that's right. Because that was the original Hunka Bunka, the original, you know, Starland Ballroom. Yeah, I mean, you just you just look at this um you just look at this book and okay so now here's another uh club i i don't remember this i mean vaguely vaguely i, I mean it was such a big there were so many good bands that would play that they put the tickets on sale at ticketron and 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 rock and roll heaven which was a big uh, place in new brunswick but um okay so here you, you know they have they're promoting motorhead but then you're also going to have yazga's farm you know, on another night, which was a you know Woodstock uh, cover band, Phantoms Opera. Remember Phantoms Opera? Of course, of course. Okay, uh, they used to do Rush. Uh, they had uh, uh, the guy from uh, uh, Bon Jovi in the band, right? The bass player. Yep, yep. And yep, then, yeah. Then it says, yeah, coming up Wednesday, July twenty seventh, Raven with Metallica. Yep. I mean, th- this was a scene, man. That like. People just—it was just like music every night of the week that you go to a club yeah. and just see like the best up and coming bands, the best talent. It really—it's it, it, like no other time. That's very true. And that generation would just go out all the time, like you said, mm-hmm. five, six nights a week. You know, it's a different era now. You know, it's, we used to live in Bayonne. We used to live in Bayonne all the time, and we would drive all the way down to the Birch Hill. Okay, three, yeah. time, three times a week. Because I work at like, own now. I got gotcha. you. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a, oh, God, it's horrible. There's a, we would go down there and like, we have no idea what's playing. We don't have an Aquarian because no no place in Bayonne would ever sell an Aquarian. So we were just yeah. like, fuck it, let's just go. And we would just drive down. I can remember yeah. my buddy, uh, I think it was King, I think it was King Diamond was playing at the Birch Hill. And okay. we both got out of work late and we, jumped in her car and we flew over the Bayonne Bridge over the outer bridge <laughs> yeah. and we made it to the Birch Hill in 19 minutes from Bayonne. Oh my god. A little fast. Driving a little fast. We made the we made the, we made the first song. I bet. <laughs> That's but awesome. it's, one of the things I think that sucks right about now is like, you know, there's there's some great local bands that are going out right now in North Jersey, but there's nowhere for them to play. I hear you. There's nowhere for them to play. Like when I was when I was in my band, we played everywhere because all you had to do was, you know, you talk to the right people, you have friends in the Sure. Bands, what years you were, were you playing out? 97 to 2002. Yeah, see, that's a little late in the scene. Yeah. You know, from no no what, what I'm talking about, Al, and just back me up here if, or if you if you remember it. Yeah. Um, do you remember you'd go on uh I think it was Route 35? Was it 35 yeah. or 34? Yeah. Okay. And you would have like the Colonel's Garter. You would have um, the Found Casino on the other side, and then there was like a couple of other clubs. I, I don't even remember anymore. Club Benet. Club Benet was on that same. Club Benet same, for sure. Okay, sure. but that was but that's where you would have like these more established acts. I mean, mm-hmm. Bon Jovi would play Club Benet, but I'm talking about like where the cover band scene was, and there had yeah, to be the playpen. The playpen. The playpen. Was there. That's right. Oddstock's playpen. They would yeah. they would play more like danceable. Yeah. Um, Fozzie would play, not, you know, uh, Flossie, Flossie. Yes, yes. Not, well, there's okay, a Flossie, there's a Flossie. Right. Uh, yeah. They would play there, like the more dance band. But I used to like going to see, like, you know, like, the, you know, the bands that would cover Ozzy and Sabbath, you know, and, sure, and sure. Rush. I would go see those bands. I mean, bands like T.T. Quick and, um, uh, you know, oh, God, like, uh, there's so many of these, these bands. And then, then you had bands that just specialized in, like, and artists like you had Backstreets, right? That would just did all Springsteen. That would be another band that I made. Right, play, right. The, they did, the they like a tri- oh, you just he just froze. Okay, you froze for a second, Al. Okay, like a, like a tribute band, like a tribute band. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Sean, you can just really go from club to club and just see like bands. So when you when you played. You played in like in the eighties, and the eighties it was still really good. Yeah. Um, what what I mean, what was it like being a guy in a band? Like, how easy was it for you to get checks? <laughs> I usually had a girlfriend, but there were definitely lots of girls out there, and it was a wild time. And honestly, 
it wasn't until after nonfiction had broken up in the mid nineties that I kind of went back and shall we say revisited those girls <laughs> having not connected with them back in the day because I didn't really even know they were into me. And then they all kind of came around. You were the lead singer in a band. And, sorry? You were the lead singer in a I band. I know, but dude, you're moving gear and stuff. And I was never like, I don't know. I mean, I'm an only child too. So there's like a whole selfish aspect to me, but my mom died really young and I had not even put a record out yet. And that changed my whole perspective. And I was just, I had a very kind of, I don't know. I, I probably had a lot of opportunities that I missed out on, and that's totally cool. But I wasn't like that dude. But it was easy, for sure. You, you weren't Neil. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you could smell Neil's fingers from like the, sure. the back of the bar. Okay? I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure. this guy, I'm, I'm telling you, he had to get like chicks like every freaking night I'm, like he he was he was a local like legend rock star yeah for sure for sure you know and, <laughs> and, and they all did that you know uh twisted sister you know uh i think i don't know if d came out no he did come out right away you know uh do you remember sisters opening you know you knew they were going i mean sean every time they played the bars it was packed i mean beyond packed. Oh, i can imagine okay and then, like, you knew they were coming on because they would play the the Who's Long Live Rock, okay? Right. Then the lights would go down, and it'd be it'd be almost like pitch black. And then you would just hear them start, you know, that beginning that of, um of, uh, you know. You can't uh, Stop Rock and Roll. No, no, it wasn't You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. It was, and it wasn't Under the Blade. Go for the Throat? No, um, What You Don't Know Sure Can Hurt You. Okay. You know, and D would just come out, and he was just, a monster, monster, like lead singer, you know, with the whole thing, and and sister had like the the fence, and they had the you know the it was I mean it was perfect the the pink uh, with the black you know TS in the background, and everybody was there to see them, and like this was a local band, and they just remember how hard time they had getting signed. Yes, they struggled for for a long time. They, I mean, Sean, they sold out the Palladium in Manhattan. You know, mm -hmm. they they were an unsigned band. They were trying to get anyone to sign. And this was an era where they were signing everybody. Right. And for yep. some reason, industry ignored them. And they wind up getting like a little uh, deal over in England. And that album, I mean, they sold on their own. And then they, they couldn't be ignored anymore. And then I think Atlantic finally gave them a deal. And they came out with Stay Hungry. And, you know, it was just like a monster album. Oh, yeah. For sure. So... You're in Hades, and what which, which, what what clubs, what venues did you play? What was it like being in, in a band, you know, back in the... Uh, Those in early the days, like, trying to get signed, we'd play, like, Club Manhattans up in Spring Valley, New York, the China Club in Hillsdale, uh, Studio One, you know, wherever we could play, we would try to get a gig and, and try to get some labels out there to see us. Um, definitely Lamore was a huge thing. Our bass player he was able to kind of pave a way for us to get into that club that a lot of bands didn't have the advantage of getting in on. And that led to us opening for a lot of really great bands at Lemoore, which definitely helped hype us up in a big way. Like, like who? Who did, who did you open up for? Like, like Megadeth, uh, Anthrax, Crumbskers, Biohazard, Armored Saint. I mean, Flotsam and Jetsam, you name it. Like, we played there so many times. Many Overkill shows opening for Overkill. Like, Overkill ruled that room back then. And uh, you know we had a we had a kind of a, a big blessing there with Jimmy to get us in there for sure. I played there once, just once. Okay, selling tickets up and down the street trying to get my fucking quota made. I'm sure. I'm oh sure. yeah, but that was, that was... was like that too. They make all the opening bands really mm -hmm. hustle. Oh yeah, yeah. some of the bigger places cool. now. I mean, like I mean, Starland will do 200 to 300 tickets you have to sell in order to right. play. If you want to do a big if you want to do a big show like if you want to do. Yep. You know, it's like a buck cherry or something like that. You're going to have to hustle to get those tickets sold. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. See, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, what I mean, Sean and I are both comedians. And so, like, you know, we always, we all have different comedian guests on here and we'll talk about the struggles sometimes, what comedians have to go through. But what people sometimes don't know about the music business, they have like these things called pay to play. So like, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, like you would have a buck cherry and these bands, like, you know, they think, you know, oh man, they're playing uh, the, 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 this big venue, the Starlight Ballroom, you know, in, in Jersey. And 
you know, they're not getting paid. In fact, they have to bring in, like Sean said, sell 200 tickets in order to get on the bill. Or some cases, they have to actually pay. So, they, so you yeah. know, and sometimes these bands go on before anyone's even in the house or while people are still go, coming into yeah. the room. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's a real big sacrifice that uh, some of these bands have to make, just like comedians do. Well, let me tell you something. Jeff Jeff will tell you, you you don't make a tremendous amount of money in comedy for the first, you know, five years or so. I was in a band uh, for over five, six years. I made more money in the first year of comedy than I did in the six years in the band. I bet. I bet. You know, we we just busted our asses, you know, and you know what it's like, you know, cold calling these places, emailing them, sending out press kits at the time and shit. And you're feeding four or five mouths, not just one. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly too. And that's well. The only difference is, like, you know, when when you fuck up in a band, you can always go, "Oh, my bass player is fucking drunk as <laughs> usual." You know, when we fuck up on stage, it's like, "Nah, that was just us." Yeah, you choked. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Jeff does it a lot more. Usually, there's <laughs> gift. Ba- there's usually gift baskets involved. But nice. when I uh, nice, yeah. that, that was brutal. It's <laughs> in a bad mood. I came that's home. Comedy was, should I, be, uh, though, right? <laughs> and that's not how comedy should be. Because it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Why would you do it? Why would you do it when someone's like, and then people start to, oh, oh, I got I got the gift basket of 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 of, of Louis Vuitton, you know, uh, shoes, or I got whatever the fuck it is, like whatever inane, stupid thing that you don't need. It's just, oh, it's just consumption. I really, you know, I, there was a slight second that I was like, maybe I'll go up there and support Jeff. I really was <laughs> contemplating it, but to go to Oakland now from where I live, it's a little far. If I was still in Bayonne, chances are I would have been at that show. You would have liked you would have liked the other people on the lineup too. I yeah. saw the whole lineup. I knew everybody on the lineup. That's why I was gonna go. Yeah. But if I could have seen you die a slow, painful death, oh my <laughs> God, how great would that have been? Well, here he, he, here's the part you may not like, Sean. Okay. So for the last 10 minutes, you know, when things finally settle down, I'm able to get them and I leave on a high note. But I mean. I'm up there. I'm like, you, you know, I'm wasting my time here. I'm just like, why? Why even bother? You know, I've, but, dude, I've been there a thousand times. Well, it may, I did think of you because of the <laughs> of the state senator who was heckling you. Oh, that fucking cunt. You see, <laughs> we got to bring her back up again. So in comedy, sometimes we'll have nights like that. How about how about from a band aspect? Now, you know, did you have nights where, like, you know, the band just doesn't click, you know, it, you know, like an equivalent to bombing uh, as a band? Yeah, for sure. And it sucks when you're the headliner in, like, Syracuse and the locals are drawing way more people than you and all those people leave before you go on. Uh, you know, that happens, man, when you're on the road. Like, it's it's tricky. And then there's other times where you're local and people just don't like a person in the band. I remember playing in Staten Island actually one time. Where were you playing? I, we I forget the venue, but we were Life of Agony, and we were this is nonfiction years, so I came out with nonfiction, and the crowd loved the band, but they hated my voice, so they start whipping quarters at me, and they're hitting me with quarters like as I'm on stage, and I'm looking at this these quarters are hitting the stage, and I'm like, oh my god, this is like the most humiliating, the most humiliating moment of my life. But I made like an extra five bucks in quarters. <laughs> For real. <laughs> what years were this? Oh, that had to be like 92, 93, something like that. Yeah, at that time, I don't know. Like the big clubs, you know, during the clubs in the height of the club scene in Staten Island. Yeah, you had multiple. You had the uh the factory, which was also known as Snoopy's. Yeah. Okay. Um, the red spot. The the red spot, man. But that was like more new wave. Yeah, then we did you Rock Palace. The Rock Palace on Van Pelt was that's where I would go see Twisted Sister on a Tuesday night or yeah, Zebra Chris, on a Chris. Friday night. Um, then you had like you know, later on, like in the night, maybe you guys played Wave Street. I think we did, yes, yes, yes. In fact, there's a photo. We have a button somebody made of us and a picture backstage at Wave Street. Right. And I remember so Wave Street was a big venue for Staten Island, you know, for 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 a for a club. Okay. And I go there one night and I go see Joe Jackson. All right. And right. Pretty big act in the 90s story. Okay. A few years later, I wind up running to Joe Jackson at a bar in Manhattan and was sitting there. We're we're talking. I'm having some drinks with him. Uh, 
And if I feel comfortable, I'm maybe at the table for about 20 minutes. I was like, hey, Joe, do you remember playing a club in Staten Island called Wave Street? And he cuts me off. He goes, worst place I ever played in my entire <laughs> career. I couldn't stand them. <laughs> I don't know if anyone threw quarters, okay? But they they may have thrown silver dollars, okay? That's how much I don't think they liked Joe Jackson. But I saw it. I loved it. I thought he was great. But it was weird. I love Joe Jackson. So do I. I'm, But also, I'm... Let's keep going back to the books. I love this book, man. I, I Thanks, man. it is a it is a great book. It's called Jersey Metal, uh, Volume One, uh, sixty nine through eighty six. Uh, and it, it, like I said, it just doesn't talk about the bands and and Al. It really takes you down memory lane. So anyone who's like our age or you know missed out on this time period, this book really will fill in the gaps. I mean, this insane insane old pictures in here um, yeah there's a lot yeah. of stuff in there but i i tell you uh these first like thousand or so books that we printed they're never going to be able to be purchased again because uh the aquarian it's it's interesting you guys brought them up because there's a lot of aquarian ads in there they had given us access to their archives and we went through it, but we never put anything in writing as to what we could use or not use. And they never demanded anything of us. And when they finally saw the book and it came out and they saw the hype it was getting, they're refusing to let us use any of their images going forward. So uh, this, that's brutal. Listen, Why? This, this, Why? Dude, I don't I don't know. Listen, but it's I got to respect it. And it's our bad for not getting it in writing, I guess. But those ads are all including the special thanks to them in the last page of the book, because I don't know why. But I'm going to go through that effort, and I'm midway through the book right now doing all that. And to be honest with you, we're replacing it with a lot of, like, flyers that we got from bands and making the photos a lot bigger and more robust. So the book's going to end up being better, but once this edition's gone, it's gone. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm glad I have this uh, this edition. I'm just, I'm just, like, looking at, like, some of this stuff. I mean, I mean look at this lineup here. Um this is first of all, John Schur presents. Remember John Schur? Of course, it was, yes. it was John Schur. It was uh, Ron Delsner. Those were like the big yeah. concert promoters back in the day. And yep. this concert is um, one oh one oh two point seven's a uh, big concert. So you're gonna have from Canada, Triumph. <laughs> okay, from the U.S., Mountain, and from uh, Japan, Loudness. And ticket prices yeah. are thirteen fifty and twelve fifty. I mean, yeah. you're not even getting a beer for that price now. I know, I know, but you can't still buy say, product anymore now for bands. You know, I get it. You know, I you still say get... Mountains uh, Mississippi Queen is the greatest rock and roll song of all time. You've well, never dude, said that on the... this show. I, I, I have, I have believed that. Oh, to this, for my opinion, that is the quintessential seventies rock song. It's a great song. And you're going to love the next pressing of this book because we found a whole bunch of live mountain photos that are going oh, really? right in the front of the book. And they're not even mentioned in this edition. The mountain thing in the next one with some really... You know where Mountain missed the, the boat? You know, a lot of people don't remember that they did play at Woodstock. But because they had a shithead manager who was holding out for more money, okay, they don't get into the movie. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So nobody remembers them playing and having an amazing set at uh, Woodstock. Yeah. You know, but I mean, they're beyond Mississippi Queen. They were also Nantucket Sleigh Ride, which oh, I yeah, which no, I just was very just a, very talented, great great song. Um, no, but but here's another thing like that was pretty cool. Like you have ads here for Crazy Eddie. <laughs> you know, like people aren't going to read. Like if, if you ask people today, what was Crazy Eddie? You know. I don't think they get the reference. I don't think they I know think what it was. I think they'd say you're insane, Jeff. <laughs> His prices were insane. And there's a, you know, what's fucked up. There's like a guy locally here who's like has like a, a car dealership. He rips off the Crazy Eddie fucking commercial completely. Wait, it's not Are a car dealership. It's, it's yeah, it's not a car dealership. He he's it's it's a, like a, it's a plant place. Oh yes, yes, yeah, yes. Um, I know. The, the farm place down the road on Route Nine. Yes. Correct. Like a garden That's, center. Yes, oh it's God. a garden center. Exactly. He's like, my prices nice. are insane, and I'm like, nice. you're fucking kidding me, right? Like, he's, the guy's not even cold in the fucking grave yet. Yeah, like, like, here, here look, look, look at this crazy. I mean, that brings back memories. And Jersey's own profit is is on. The, the tape is on sale 
tape LP or cassette four ninety nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh my god! I you know something? I worked at a Crazy Eddie for exactly one day. <laughs> what happened? I, I, it was it was just you know it was just like too corporate. Uh, there was too many restrictions. I I was wasn't doing it. Yeah, I'll show you something, Al. When I was in college, okay, I owned my own record store. Uh, it was hey. called First Time Records here in Staten Island. And what I did one one time is I had um, a, a big record promotion. And let me show you this picture. <laughs> what a fucking hack and a half. <laughs> Don't take it off your fucking wall beforehand. No, let's let's stand up. And let me look at your fat ass while you're at it too. Okay. You see it? Yeah, uh, Jeff, we can see it. it Raising you, fucking mook. <laughs> it's a little fuzzy. It's a little fuzzy. Now you got to back it up. You got to back it up. Oh my god! You, you think this is your first fucking podcast for Christ's sake? <laughs> a hundred, hundred and nine episodes, and the mongoloid can't figure out how to hold the camera up. I see a bunch of blurry people on the frame. Oh, stop. Come on, that that that's uh, that's AJ Perro and Eddie Ojeda. Okay, yeah, and yeah. me. And that's look you at, in the look middle, at young Jeff. No, and you can see like like on on the walls you have Maiden Power Slave. Yeah. Uh, I have Crocus. Um, what else we have on sale? We had a uh, Triumph for sale, autograph. Along with Sade. <laughs> nice. And and nice. Tommy Boy's greatest hits. That's awesome. Remember? <laughs> you know what's great about that? I didn't know you back then. That was probably what, 30 years ago? I still would have punched your face <laughs> if I went to that record store. Oh, we also have Bon Jovi's 78 degree Fahrenheit on sale in this that's, picture. So that's like 83. No, no. This is well, maybe that album came out at 83, but I had the store in, let's see, I'm, I'm going to say about 84, 85, 86, like right in, in there. Once I graduated college, I, I sold it. Oh, so I can I, see why you freaking went out of business. You're fucking selling a three-year-old goddamn record and putting it in the front. <laughs> they had two more records after that, for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, I do this every week with him. Just, I love it. Not, I love I'm not it. doing I it to impress you. I can't tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had uh, Metal Church come come down. Uh, oh, my God. I mean, this you just look. How about City Gardens? What was this? Do you remember City Gardens, Al? Of course, dude. I opened for Flotsam and Jetsam there. We had a few shows there with different bands over the years. And from what I heard, there's a story that broke last week that the place is, like, about to be condemned because it's about to implode on itself, <laughs> which is a shame because that was a legendary room. Very bare bones, but a good room. I mean, they, they look. this was in Trenton. And they had like bands like Stormtroopers of Death, uh, the Dead Milkmen, you know, and, and knowing when the Dead Milkmen set was from six to ten <laughs> on a Sunday, and they played yeah. with the Dickies, and then they had Nick Lowe, man, Nick Lowe from Rockpile. I just saw the Dickies in concert. No, you didn't. Nice. Yes, I did. I went to see Black Flag uh, three weeks ago at Starlight. Yeah. Oh, and wow. the, Dick the Dickies opened up, and uh, not only did they curtain off the entire top of Starland, <laughs> it was only half full on the bottom. So basically, if I knew four or five uh, Black Flag songs, I could have walked on stage and just started playing them. No one was there. <laughs> it was so. It was one of the worst shows I ever went to. Okay, so Rollins how about this? Wasn't singing, was he? What's that? Was Rollins singing? No, the only original member is Greg Jinn, the uh, uh, guitar okay, player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's got the, his guitar. His uh, singer is like. 26 years old and like from edison like oh, nice. yeah every everybody's everybody's in their 20s or early 30s except for this guy's like 67 years old trying to fucking play That's punk sad. songs hang it oh up oh my gosh hang sad. it up sad. It, it really was sad actually it's actually a really see like I'll, i don't mind going to see an older band but like here's an example i went to see buck cherry a couple years ago and they're not an older older band but um the thing is uh their fans have been very loyal to them since 1997 um they've also gotten a lot older looking since 1997 sure. and the girls uh yeah really got to put a little more clothes on yeah <laughs> it's a little it's a little go to a buck cherry concert you're going to feel fucking great about yourself when you walk outside <laughs> alan how did you how did you get um 
all these old flyers and pictures and like like I'm like who saved something from rock and roll heaven, okay? And and, and you know like back then like you would have just thrown this 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 flyer out, but you yeah, guys yeah. how did you get this stuff? No, so a lot of it was Frank. I mean, he was reaching out to all these bands super early and all the people involved in the scene, like the Zazulas, God rest their souls, they're gone now. And I really wish they could have seen this book. But a lot of people that he knew through the years that he did photo stuff with or for uh, really hooked him up with, you know, content. So we sing it together, a book that would go from 86, sorry, 69 to 2021. And as we began to lay it out and do the page counts for the years, because it's by month, by year, we're like, there's no way. This is going to be like a 1,500-page book. We're stupid. Like, we can't do that. So we have a lot of the other stuff laid out, but this is three books. So this is the first of three, and we had to chop it off at a certain point. Um, but we have plenty of content coming in still for the next two books, and I think we're going to enhance even this book when I reset it to even be better than it was, you know? But, yeah, it was just a matter of, I mean, it's two and a half years, brother. You know, two and a half years of, like, interviewing people, our stuff, you know, in position to be a book. There was another book um, about the the Sunset Strip. Uh, Ain't nothing about a good time. I don't know if you ever, you read that. I um, didn't, but that's the Poison song, right? Right, but but it, 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 it talked about the rise of Poison and Guns N' Roses and um uh faster pussycat like all the you know motley crew all the bands that played like the sunset strip and then would come back to new york a little bit but it primarily focused on on uh you know you know uh the, the ela scene um your book is old jersey and so anyone who's in the area and we have a lot of people who listen that are our age i mean this is a absolute must buy that you have to check out um Thank so i'm looking you. at this picture here and sean you would like this because this this fucking band here this is what they how they promote uh february 13th lamore fuck the super bowl <laughs> what band did that al <laughs> i don't remember who did that it was you stupid oh nice. Hades. I, I totally forget that that's great. that's you in the band that's when i was just in hades yeah that's when i was oh. first in hades that's before the first album came out with me. <laughs> Jeff, by the way, this is one of those one of those people that like I will watch play and I would get so just disgusted because it was so good. It was is his guitar player, Ed Furman. Oh, one of those yeah. ridiculous guitar players. Like when and if you're a musician, you're gonna stand there at a show and you're like, This this fucking guy's a dick. Like that's how great of a guitar player this guy is. Off the <laughs> fucking charts. Phenomenal. Off the charts, and the man. guy, the guy before him was Scott LePage, who you might or might not know. His son Scott LePage is a really famous guitar. He just had a uh, a signature, I think a Charvel or some kind of really? maybe a Kramer or some guitar built for him. He's in a band called Polyphia, I think. And yeah, the they're, they're pretty big. Band. They're pretty yeah, big, actually. They are phenomenal, and that's the original lead guitar player in Hades. Not original, original, but the original on the first album before Ed. Uh, and that's his son, which is sick. But Ed was, Ed was like a machine. You know what I mean? Just really, really, of his game. When we, when I was growing up, we would we go out to see these bands, right? And Glenn Miller, <laughs> Tommy Dorsey. <laughs> Don't encourage him, Alan. Please. <laughs> Sorry, that was a good one, though. <laughs> Sometimes but, the weed pen works in my advantage, Jeffrey. <laughs> So we would we would go out to the, the clubs, right? And there'd be like you know two, three carloads of us, you know, just like goons, you know, all of us like you know long hair. Some of us were in bands, some of us weren't, just like like the music. And there was this one guy, Milton Schatzer, okay. And Milton Schatzer, <laughs> he was, sounds like a fucking metalhead. <laughs> yeah, Milton Schatzer was in band. He he played the drums, okay. And Milton Schatzer would come go to the band, and he would stand in the middle like this. <laughs> and he he hated every drummer he saw in every band because he was a drummer right. okay and like and like all of us our whole thing because we knew the answer okay but we, we played straight and the whole thing was like milton why do you think of the drummer <laughs> you'd always be like he sucks <laughs> he sucks meant he was good okay this is how if it was a bad drummer he would go he's an enemy shit drummer <laughs> <laughs> so like 
so you're singing in, in, in Hades. Did you ever get guys like that? Guys like me and my friends who would come and like they would have the judgmental guys who would like look at you, like you know, and and they're judging you on your performance and and everything you did all day long. Mostly when we played Manhattan. Honestly, Manhattan was always musicians that came out to see you. It wasn't so much the fans. And yeah, you'd get that stink eye all night from a lot of people. And you just got to do your own thing and tune it out, you know? Where'd you play in Manhattan? Oh, my God. Best shows probably were at the Limelight, but we did stuff at Beowulf, uh, the Pyramid Club. Uh, I the love Cat the Pyramid the, Club. The They're Cat reopening, Club. actually. The Pyramid's reopening as an actual Is hard really? rock club. Yeah, they just announced it. They're actually going to reopen as a hard rock club. It's going to be the only oh rock God. club in New York City right now. Yeah, yeah. We played a lot of places, man. The Cat Club, a lot of shows at the Cat Club. Yeah, it was, you know, was, there were a lot of venues back then. The Bank, uh, I'm trying to think. Continental. Continental, oh, yeah. absolutely. Actually, I don't know if I played the Continental, but I hung out at the Continental a bunch. <laughs> One night, okay, obviously, Sean, before I'm married, okay, my mm -hmm. friends and I, we go out to, to the Pyramid Club, and it's it's the week between Christmas and New Year's, and I wind up hooking up with this chick, right, but I drove, and I'm like, well, listen, I'm going back to her place, I and my brother was there, and I was like, take the car. I, <laughs> like, how are you getting back? I was like, don't worry about it, I'll figure it out. Fam famous last words. Okay, so I, I go back to her place and whatever happens, that right? Then I, now I got to come back to Staten Island. So the way I go, you know, I wound up taking the train, ferry, back train, finally get to my house. You know, I you know I'm, I get the keys to my car. Day or two later, I have to go into my trunk. My friends put like Christmas trees in the trunk. <laughs> I thought he was going to say pine needles and shit. I thought he was right? going to say, you know, for a chick, she had a great set of fucking balls. No, but <laughs> okay, but sure. But okay, so Al, you played the Pyramid Club back in the day, right? Yeah. Okay. On an off night, there there, there were, you know, transvestites who would go there. Oh, okay. it was a huge gay club. It was huge. Yeah, it was a huge gay club. And one of my friends out. wound up making it. It's all coming out. out. It's all coming out. And one of my friends happened to. Yeah. You don't know him. He lives in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. I we also can't go to him. Thailand once a year. Yeah, but one of my you know, it's it's strange because one of my friends used to own a record store. Anyway. <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back to the book. Okay. Um, this is pretty cool. Um, why why'd you pick like some like these like these really like like it just seems like random concerts, but they were just like oh I got I mean they, they were just like right, so you have here uh at the Brendan Byrne Arena, March twenty fourth, nineteen eighty six. Listen to this lineup: Sabbath. And now is that Gillen? That's with eighty four. Yeah, I think this is eighty six. Ray Gillen. This is eighty. I think that's Ray. Gillen, it wasn't right? Ian Gillen. Well, there's an Ian Gillen segment in there too. I forget which year there it is. is. But if it's Sabbath and Anthrax and Wasp, that's Ray yes. Gillen singing. Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. I guess Frank took these pictures? Yeah. And Ray this Gillen's a Jersey guy. This is insane. You got to see these pictures of a young Anthrax. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it, it, it just, it, you just can't believe what you're looking at here. You know, Wasp. I mean, this is an era. It is Ray Gillen. This is just a, an era of time gone by. Yeah. And it's no, really sure. caught so brilliantly in this book because you know what the, 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 these aren't recreations these are authentic like, like this picture here this was what it was like going into a record store back in the day at rock and roll heaven oh yeah for sure for i sure. mean it's just it's 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 just so beautiful like to see man this Thanks. is i appreciate that man frank and i worked really hard on it and honestly this sets the stage like perfectly just so you understand where the next book came from because the next book is definitely going to be the book it's 87 to 04 so it's the primo metal years my first mm -hmm. album Hades came out in 87 so I'll be writing a lot more on the next book but without this book you wouldn't really know where it all kind of came from and started you know what I mean sure. so it's like one long it's like one long story but this sets the stage for what became the metal scene you know it really did it why was this in the book so that's a great story. Frank okay, this and I, is, this is Frank and Alan I wearing yeah. wearing shorts that are about I'm going to say two and a half inches from his dick, <laughs> no shirt, dudes. 
and he's in Tijuana, Mexico. Don't bite the book. Don't bite the book, please. Tell the story out. It was like 100 degrees that day. It was so freaking hot. But no, Frank's first photos since he's 12 years old, those first Zeppelin shots that are in the book, he snuck out of his house in a snowstorm on a bus to go take those shots at Madison Square Garden and got back home without getting caught. And that kind of started his photo career. It's like almost famous. Pretty much exactly like that. Yeah, he was like this, even younger than the almost famous kid. He was 12. My kid, he did that. I but love the passion. He did that, and that's where he started with it. It's He just loved the idea of doing it, and he grew it into a career. But you got me off track. What was I just saying? With uh, We're talking about you you being like almost naked in Tijuana. Thank you. Thank and, you, thank and, you. And, and stupid Frank is wearing a black shirt and a hat. I know. A, 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 it looks like a leather, like kind of like a, cl- uh, a slash hat, dude. He always dresses like this to this day. I host the thing. I live in a, I live in a lake community here in Denville, and in the summer I host this big party at the lake. I, I don't. It's not my hosting it, but I'm the MC and the DJ guy. And he shows up. It's like freaking ninety something degrees out. And he's in long jeans, a black shirt. I'm like Frank, aren't you hot? But Frank's first photo shoot he did with a band where he posed a band was my band Prophecy, where he made us like, I move like this, sit like that, stand like that, put your hands out of your pockets, like that kind of thing. The first time he did that was my band Prophecy. And then a few years later, I'm in California with my buddy Mike Quindazzi, and we run into Frank randomly at Universal Studios. And I'm like, what are you doing out here? And he goes, I'm on vacation. I'm like, by yourself? And he's like, yeah, I'm just checking out California. So we're like, tomorrow, let's hang out. Let's go to Tijuana. And that's where those photos were taken. <laughs> that's crazy. Here, here's another quintessential 80s. Look at these chicks. Okay. <laughs> this is where it's like part thong, part granny panties. I like the okay. chick in the middle. <laughs> that's Frank. That's Frank. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> but that was such um, an 80s look with these, with these girls, man. Uh, oh here's, yeah, here's a, yeah. Another... Do, do yourself a favor. Put, take that girl, put her in a microwave for about forty-five seconds. Then you'll see that same girl at a fuck a Buck Cherry concert. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what they look like. <laughs> Buck Cherry. Hey, by the way, we haven't plugged the site yet. It's JerseyMetalBook.com. We. You... Yeah, I, I, I want. I, I will. I want to talk about. It. How can people get the book? Say it one more time. JerseyMetalBook.com. That's is that the only way you can get this book. Pretty much. I mean, we're doing a lot of signings and stuff. We're going to be at Dingbats and Clifton on December 23rd. We're going to be there, uh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to have a table there selling books and shirts with Eddie Trunk and Don Jameson, Jim Florentine, and all that stuff. And Freddie Dingo is a really old, good friend of mine. So we're going to be hanging out there the whole night. I'm going to try and get down there for that. Uh, You're coming with me. It's a Friday night. I I guess I'm going with Sean. Uh, Yeah, our friends from War for the Crown are playing that night. And they're doing their Pantera tribute show that night. But yep, I, yep. I already have people who are asking me about the book. Awesome. You know, they want, you know, so I have I have to get books uh for this. But yeah, so we got um here yeah, another another great concert. Uh Judas Priest and Dokken, you know, Friday, June. I mean, it's amazing, like you know, these these old flyers that you just don't I mean you don't see this anymore. Like now you like I understand the immediacy of getting an email, yeah, but it doesn't have the staying power that this stuff that does. Like I look at this stuff, and I can go back exactly to where I was as a kid growing up, and just think about all this stuff. You know, for sure. But a younger person is not going to have that touchstone. You know what I mean? Like no. you remember that, so it brings it back to you, which is great, and that's why we did it. Like so, it doesn't get forgotten. Nobody had done it yet, and Frank and I were definitely like fully immersed in that stuff our whole lives. You know. Yeah, I'm definitely the last good generation. You are the last. <laughs> my, oh, well, no, I think I think it stopped right before you. I'm no, not no, sure. no, no. After under me is that's when fucking grunge took over and fuck everybody. <laughs> Al, did you hook up with any of these two chicks? Yeah, the one wearing the Hades shirt was my girlfriend for a little while. Yeah, Janine Theriac. She was awesome. Such a great gal. But that was, I mean, we were so young back then, man. I don't even know how long we dated. Yeah, I said if I was if I was 1987, if I was 21, like in 1987, I would not have made 1988. 100. <laughs> it was a wild time. It was a wild time. How about how about Sean? If you were in Hades and you were at the Hades apartment party, 
If I was in the <laughs> 80s, though, we wouldn't be talking to Alan because I would have been the singer. What what was it? What was the the Hades apartment party? So Dan Lorenzo had this basement apartment in Clifton, and I lived there for quite a while. I, I think four months at a stretch, and then a few years later, for a few years, we lived there. And uh, we would host these parties, and we were just starting to kind of get our, our, our groove on in terms of the band being popular. I remember Joey Belladonna was at one of those parties, which was really cool. But I think Joey thought there were going to be way more girls than there were there. <laughs> and he was he was in like a sausage fest. I kind of felt bad for him. But it was great to have Joey Belladonna in my apartment. You know what I mean? I was such a huge fan. But But that seemed like to be like a, every 80s guys hanging out. Okay? Like, you know, like you'd be cruising around looking for girls. There'd be seven guys in a car. And then you'll you find out, oh, there are girls behind the school. So you go behind the school and there are two girls behind the school. And they just want to yeah. hang out with you if you have beer. And then yeah. like, a, and, and then like, like two more guys join you. And now it's not, it's, it's like a zombie, you know, like, 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 yes, like a pub yes. crawl. Okay. Yes. Then, yeah, then Jeff goes to the, Jeff goes to the party and he sees the hot chick and he starts crying to her, saying he can't believe Sabbath is not going to go on without Ozzy anymore. I don't know if this Ronnie James Dio is going to be good. That's a true story, Alan. That's is a true it? story. Yeah. Oh I'm, my god. I was in high school. Attention. Yeah, I was in high school and I was at this I was at this this party and this, this chick this talked to me. And she, I, you know, she's interested, but I'm I'm just like so up, up, upset Wait, because you know. Ozzy was out of Sabbath, and I didn't know who Ronnie James Dio was at the time, you know. And I'm, I was just like, I don't know, man. I, I, and I'm and I'm talking to her, but I, she, I'm not asking her anything about her. I'm not paying it, you know. I'm not, like I'm not like like really paying enough attention to her, you know. Like like she's obviously coming on to me, and I'm talking about Ozzy, and she's like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" Yeah, she's saying herself like. All right, so they bet me five hundred dollars. I wouldn't find the nerdiest fucking guy. And suck his, <laughs> and I'm gonna suck his dick that night. Oh, look who walks in! Yeah, look at this. Look at this guy walking in with the big nose and the and the fucking stonewashed denim Cinderella heartbreak station fucking jacket. Yeah, I had long. I had, I had long hair. I had long hair, and I had a, a denim jacket with a big cross on the back of it. Black Sabbath. Yeah, that was like that nice. was like my my thing. Ugh. Um, you want to see no, my battle vest? I got my battle vest yeah. right here. Let's see what you got. Hang on, my, my friend Ty in high school painted this on my vest. Oh, there you go. That's my favorite band now. How cool is that, right? Oh, that's really the cool. It's a whole bunch of stuff that I oh, have. Later. In front, you got Dio and Metallica, and oh, look <laughs> at look at that Zeppelin Sabbath motor. Oh, that is great. I kept it old school, you know. <laughs> He's fuck. He went to Century Twenty One and bought that fucking pre-made. Century Twenty One <laughs> is not going to sell. So you know they do nobody. actually. They do. I think it's the cheapest way out. They actually do sell denim jackets already pre-patched and everything. Not that surprised. to me is like the fucking that that's sacrilege right there. <laughs> Absolutely. No, you go to the stores. You buy the the either you sew. You got your mom to sew it on for you, or when they had the remember the iron-on ones. Mm -hmm. yeah you know, oh, so yeah you, you could do that yourself but but with sewing i would ask my mom can you can you sew these for me there's a great metal store actually down here where i live in keyport uh, dude i'm going there this week to leave off six books to sell it's in a great great take your time in that store they have they have a little bit of vinyl but i it's met like, armando it's all good i love that awesome point. store man they used to have a little tiny booth in the old english town flea market and then they expanded to having their own brick and mortar store right on like main street in keyport yeah yeah. Fucking killer, man! Great, what is it called? The metal. I think it's the metal store. I think it's the metal, metal store. The metal yeah. store. Yeah, great, awesome. great place. Jeff would love it there because there's all like seventies and eighties metal shit. Oh yeah. There. <laughs> you walk if you walk into my house, first thing you see is my refrigerator with like seventy five magnets I bought from that fucking place. <laughs> awesome. That's great. That is great, great stuff, man. Uh, before we we go, I just want to just keep talking about this book a little bit. Um. Because here's a great shot from '86, uh, bon, John Bon—it's just Bon Jovi rocking the Brendan Byrne Arena, and they're just like so young, you know, doing this. And they—they—they they, they did a, "I Don't Want to Go Home" as their last song because <laughs> yeah, they didn't have enough songs to play. Uh, Who I'm was so Frenchy? Not a Bon Jovi fan. <laughs> you know, you don't like them? No. They—they they played with Cinderella that night. All time. What's that? They played with uh, Cinderella that night. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I have all 
mad cred and all respect to the guy for the longevity is ridiculous. And it's my wife's favorite band, so I can't talk too much smack about him. But she took me to see them one time, and the women in the audience, from the grandmothers to the mothers to the daughters to the granddaughters, were so freaking deafening loud. They drowned mm -hmm. the band out. And I'm like, I could never do this again, ever. But God bless you for loving them. <laughs> that's that's why I, that's what happened when I saw New Kids on the Block last year. Oh, my God. It was intolerable, bro. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff's like, I can't believe you went to see New Kids on the Block. I go, why would I not go see New Kids on the Block? It's going to hold 20,000 people at the, at the Prudential Center in Newark. There's going to be nine dudes. Seven <laughs> of them are going to be gay. What the fuck? <laughs> Count, do the math, dude. Your odds are amazing. Right. Uh, Al, do you remember this band? Okay, I have to do, do one of those, because this was... Do you remember a band called Cities? Yeah, of course. A.J. Perro. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, You actually... I would love... I got to send this to this guy. He was the guitar player in the band. His name at the time was Steve Moranovich, and wound up uh, changing his name to Steve... I don't know, like Steel or some shit like that. Okay? But it's just like, it's it's crazy. Like I remember when they had a singer called Ronnie Angel, and they were actually pretty good. I yeah, they were. Sal Italiano, the bass player, great dude. Yeah, great bass they, player. They, they, you know they, what I love over the last hour? Just been reading this book and asking you questions. Hey, do you remember this? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, asshole. It's on page forty nine. I wrote the fucking book. Although I forgot the Hades hand quote. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Chris Foley. You know. <laughs> When he was interviewing McCartney. Paul McCartney, he's like, you know, do you remember when you wrote? Is this... <laughs> but I mean, remember when you sang in that band, Alan? It. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> but but the thing is, is like my my enjoyment of this book is just so genuine, and it is it really like everything I'm saying. I'm not just saying it because Alan's in front of me. I I'll say it when he you know behind his back. It's it's a great book. It's a great book with a, Thanks, a with a ton of just great great memories and people our age, you know, I think would just would just absolutely go wild for this. And if you missed out on this, this is a great way of seeing a time that once was. And yeah. unfortunately, you know what it is? It's like people of my my son's twenty one. Okay, he'll never know what it was like for guys like us to go to a record store, wait for like a, a Tuesday or a Friday, whenever the records were released, get a record, come home, open it up, the smell of it when you, when you squeeze it. Yeah. And you yeah. know, that, that first smell, and you yeah. take it out and then like, you know, Oh shit, bonus, you know, a poster or yeah. a lyric sheet, yeah. you know, like that excitement as opposed to just downloading something, which I is know. great because you can get something immediate, but you don't appreciate it as much. I get, I, I agree. I totally agree. You know, and like we talk about albums, I just don't think this generation has the stamina to like listen and sit through a whole album. So that's why you see artists just release songs. I think you're wrong. Do you? I think this. I think this generation. Well, it's it's two generations below me, but they are the reason why vinyl is as prevalent as it is now. And these people are going out and buying the records. Because let me tell you something: as of 10, 12 years ago, you weren't going to find a vinyl record anywhere. But these fucking hipsters, the only good thing they ever did was that and fucking coffee. I swear to Christ. But <laughs> now I can go anywhere and I can go to fucking Walmart. I can go buy f waffles and and buy a fucking vinyl at the same time. I yeah, love for, it. First, it, it. It's not as many. It's not the same. When you when you when you see the number of records that are being sold now compared to like back in the day, it's a it's a it's maybe ten percent. Of what was well, that's, that was the format, the only format. Yeah, back exactly. So I get it. Right. I mean, no, no, I, I understand it, and it's nice that there is some type of, but it's very, very niche, and it's not, it's, 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 it's not as, as, as big as, as we make it out to be, and the selection is really small. I mean, the only thing is, you'll get like a, a better quality of vinyl, okay, mm -hmm. as opposed to the old vinyl that it's, but it's not the same. But I want so, the old vinyl. Let me just say, we jumped into, want uh, we did a book signing at Factory Records in Dover. That's mm -hmm. what we're plugging and checking out because that's all vinyl, all kinds of old school, old school everything. Cool place. You know I mean? Factory Records, freaking awesome in Dover. Remember yeah. like when you would go to, uh, you, you'd say you'd be playing um, 
uh, what was what the place in the village, in the East Village again, uh, the Bermuda Club. Okay. So if you went up on St. Mark's Street, there was a trash from vaudeville. And yeah. there was, and they had like a huge room of, of uh, pre sold records and new records. And you yeah. could spend hours and hours in the, this place. And sometimes, like, you, you go there with 20 bucks and you can sometimes walk out with 10 records if you bought like the pre used stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's true. True. Yeah, it was such a great time, man. And again, the name of the book is Jersey Metal. Uh, the History of the Garden State's Heavy Metal Scene, Volume 1, uh, by Frank White and Al Tecchio. Tecchio, okay? And it's <laughs> just shaking his head in disapproval. Um, it's so good. But JerseyMetalBook.com. That's where you can get it, JerseyMetalBook.com. JerseyMetalBook.com. And uh, Al, in uh, uh, Adam and Post, uh, maybe you can uh, just, just put that in uh in in writing so people could actually see it and oh, not have thanks. to hear us, us yeah just so we thank can you. kind of really really push this book i think thank it's you. really a, an important book for for people to get and to to really really enjoy man it's such a good book and i just want to thank you so much for coming yeah on. man it's a lot of fun oh dude thanks for having me on guys i'm sorry i was late <laughs> no listen it means it was seven minutes less i had to hear his fucking voice that's totally <laughs> fine you guys but, uh, awesome. If this comes out, I hope this is going to come out before then. But if not, uh, try and come down to Dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey on Van Houten Avenue on December 23rd. Alan's going to be there. Me and Jeff are going to be there too. We're going to support our friends. We got Jim Florentine. Frank's going to be there too. Frank will be there. Awesome. And we're friends with Florentine and Jameson and, you know, Eddie Trunk's a nerd. We all know that. There'll awesome. be some great bands that night. It's the, it's the That Metal Show Christmas party. So come on down, buy a book, it buy is. Jeff a beer, give me some weed, and we'll watch some television television nice Let's kick it in you. it just kicked in on that note <laughs> yes thank you so much guys i appreciate it our pleasure take care everybody we'll see you Later, next guys. week all right cheers bye, bye.